Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast with myself, Jordan Strauss, and the other guy. You know him as Lagoon the Boom, Sam Laboon. How you doing? Doing very well. I don't, I don't know anybody knew me as Lagoon the Boom. That's a new one. That's, but I'll, I'll, take, uh, it. I'll well, take it. Some people do know you as Laguna Beach, and one of the people that are credited the signing almost all the nicknames of all of our friends is our second ever guest on the podcast under he's a man of mystery known simply as le grande welcome to the podcast le grande how you doing tell us about yourself doing good doing good this is a uh this is a special moment i've listened to this podcast since day one day one uh, let's you know through that whole first Day one listener, that that first season with that that awful recorder as the intro music, I was I was there there at the start of season two when it really just you know you could tell the budget was uh, yeah. was just amplified when that second season came on. Yeah, that's all that ad revenue coming in, Mike. <laughs> yeah that that new uh, that new theme music just just hit like a brick. Like that was wow. These guys, these guys. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's great to be here. Um, Fantastic. We uh, we we know Legrande from back in the uh, back in high school. So long time we've known the man. One of our more uh, knowledgeable acquaintance or uh, or comrades or whatever we want to call him. What are we? We're in a communist nation now, right? One of our <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me and Sam have known Legrande since high school. Um, I don't know what you want to tell. About yourself there we're tr- trying to maintain a little bit of anonymity uh did i say that right yeah anonymity? Well, i already said your name whatever that's exactly <laughs> anonymity that's exactly yeah yeah no no and uh both uh both these guys since high school you know half half a lifetime ago and uh also also from the the okanagan so sam is really the one giving us regional diversity here yeah, that's true. Um, He's giving no, us the uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're glad How many to have. Clues you. Do we give people to figure out who? <laughs> I think if people really want to find out who he is, they'll they'll find out. But the truth is, most of our listeners are going to have no idea, or no, nor will they care. Um, true. Internet sleuths these days, doxers. You know, you you never safe out there. That's true. That's true. That's look true. Back right? People can people can find you. Yeah. <laughs> This is the last day of the end of your, the, the rest of your life being a shit show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just get ready for the onslaught of trying to get canceled. Uh, um, no, you'll be fine. Uh, what you might know is that our listenership is not exactly, uh, we're not on the Spotify Joe Rogan level at this time. That's well, only season two though. That's true. That's true. You know what? Let's keep it rolling. What are we? Yeah, he has We're like over a thousand episodes. Yeah, and we have how many? What episode is this? Do you think it's confusing because it doesn't say season two on the on the uh, like on the, on the name of the episode. So we're at like we're on like episode eight, season two, but it just like went back to one with no explanation. Yeah, to so at, like okay, people that well, are just getting, getting up now, there, getting up there. People that are just finding the podcast will only think that we have eight episodes. That's the issue. And already this pol- this polished of a podcast, though, they'll think, wow, in eight episodes, these guys have it down. That's true. They must We're have experience be- in radio or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going on in uh in what's what's going on out there? You guys uh you guys, uh, you guys, excited for the uh, the reopening of society, the impending reopening of society, which hopefully in the next couple of months. I can't see it not opening up in the next couple of months. There's no, it's a big big shift in uh, in BC. Everything open, no capacity except uh, masks and vax pass. So you can go to whatever nightclub there is in Kelowna now. I don't even know. I think Gotham, some new one, but you have to wear a mask on the dance floor. Man, no that was kind really? of uh, kind oh. of unappeal. Yeah, yeah. It seems kind of to take away a little bit of the appeal, but uh, I mean, hell, people have been caged up for two years. Right? People all, are ready to go. Ma- mask. 
I think the <laughs> ugly, ugly people's time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with this? Yeah. They got this. They've got this one one month window to really shine. Yeah, oh, this man, is it's like, all about the dance moves now. Like no one's uh, gonna be distracted by your face, uh, your teeth, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I think I we've been like BC yeah. has not been that uh, locked down. I think Ontario's had actual like multiple lockdowns of of people not going to work and stuff mm. isn't it sam hasn't oh, there been a yeah. few times where like gyms and barbershops and stuff closed oh yeah they've been they've been closed uh a lot of the times like right now things are i think things are still half capacity here and but it'll probably be lifted yeah like within a month but i was just in montreal this weekend and there they have like everything closes at a limit like all the bars everything or Shuts they're the only one that actually did like a, a curfew, right? Yeah, they had an actual curfew, like not not outside past ten or whatever. Yeah. Well, but I think in general, it seems like I think Quebec <laughs> seems like they are like it, it's also the case there that in the winter time, it's the law that you have to have snow tires, and if you don't have snow tires, you get a ticket. Quebec culturally is just very on board with people not doing things they don't like. Like no other, no English province could get away with passing a bill where religious minorities can't wear uh, like a turban and work for the province. But in Quebec, it's just like, yeah, that's what the French do. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're so concerned about protecting their uh, their minority culture because they view themselves as a minority within canada yeah so So they they really they need to protect themselves so it's really in their in their dna to just have no problem uh anyone who's slightly out of line whether that means wearing a turban or having summer tires past no october they're coming for you yeah (laughs) That's a crazy thing to like <laughs> be on the front because of your your bald tires. <laughs> Please chase. Well, according to a lot of people on my Facebook, uh, British Columbia is not only um, the next; uh, it's the third Reich over here, but uh, we're also um, all of our freedoms were stripped away. We were pretty much treated oh, like you guys had it the uh, easiest. Yeah, we had it so easy compared to the easiest out of all the provinces. I know, people out here are very. People in my on my Facebook feed are are acting like we're about to get rounded up and like put to camps. Like they literally <laughs> thought they'd be put in camps. Like I think people just like to feel like they need something to fight against, even if it's pretty much a specter of their imagination. Hmm. Well, I mean, if we think about it, only having only being allowed to have six people at a table in a restaurant is, is pretty close to a concentration camp. That's right? a- like it's all, you're only, only one step removed. Yeah. You, if you put a like, fence around that table, table. <laughs> and you take away all the food. Being Auschwitz at that point. Uh, That's hilarious. Well, it's, I just find the no, whole but it is, thing. It is exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Spring and summer will be uh, will be a lot better. We had our first few uh, full capacity comedy shows back at Dakotas, and uh, you could feel the difference. You could feel the difference right away. Yeah. It is it is it, it's feeling like a real sh- show again. So, uh, what was it? Exciting. What was it before half? Yeah, half capacity, which still feels like a good like it's it's like the room's so small that you don't notice it being half empty as much, but once it was full again, it was like, Oh yeah, you can really have full. Whatever. I, it was pessimism. <laughs> <laughs> like when it's half full. It doesn't feel that empty because it's so small and it's a weird shape. So you don't notice the empty spots, but when it's full again, you really realize, Oh wow. They actually can fit a ton of people in here. You don't actually notice it though, from like on the, the kind of punchline of a joke when everyone laughs, you wouldn't notice the difference from only half the amount of people in there laughing. It seems like the <laughs> decibel level would be a lot less. Mike, I don't think I've ever told a yeah, joke. Yeah, would be quieter. Everybody laughs. laughs. 
but you can you can definitely tell. <laughs> oh come on, you <laughs> well, you're selling yourself short. I'm sure you, I'm sure you've hit a few home runs out there. It was a uh, let's just say it, it's been so long at half capacity. We kind of forgot what a full laughing room sounds like until recently. Oh yeah, yeah. It is. It's interesting. Is that where you recorded your? What's that? Was that when you recorded your spe- your special? In yeah, Dakotas? I, I was still at half capacity, but it was a really good crowd. Um, now we're seeing like there's been a bunch of new comics that started during the pandemic, and they're just getting their first taste of full crowds ever. And uh, yeah, so they're pretty stoked. That's got to be a blast now, eh? From going half capacity their whole time to to full. Yeah. Please. Pretty stoked about it. Um, um, I got, uh, you know, starting to put a little, little myself out on the internet. Um, I just really fucking hate the whole, like you, you're either on every social media platform posting every day, or no one will ever see your shit. <laughs> That's pretty much what's going on. You, you, you have to promote it that hard to get, uh, to get out there. Eh? You don't. Uh, keep posting regularly you drop out of all the algorithms so it's like you'll just see your view your view count climb 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 and then stop suddenly because now it's not getting recommended to anyone or getting shown to anyone so you have to like design like you have to be engaged in the platform like daily almost it seems like this is how it seems like to me and what i've heard it's all about trying to get the algorithm to pick your shit up and you need to be really like engaged with the platform for that to happen. Can't you just say something really offensive and get on like the CTV nightly news? Yeah. Kind of the direction. That's how the game is played. (laughs) I just have to do something that everybody hates enough to look me up. But yeah, even like the videos that go viral, the only reason they go really viral are because other channels pick them up and start promoting. Like you have to be, I think they're designed to reward creators that engage with the platform like a lot. So it's like a fucking full-time job. If you want to get noticed on social media and that's my excuse and I'm sticking with it. Have you been doing it full-time for the past couple months? No, I did it two days in a row and I got bored. Whole 40 minute special up on YouTube, uh, which will be there. It just won't ever be recommended to anyone. Pretty much, I'll have I'll have to be kind of word of mouth. I'll just have to like tell everybody to go watch it after every show and just slowly get views. But really, the whole purpose of that special was to have something to point um, bookers to that were like want to book me, but they don't know if I'm good or not. Or they don't know what kind of material to do. So at least I have that. Or people that don't know if they they don't hear of me, so they want to look me up before they pay for a ticket. And then there's actually something out there for them to watch beforehand that's really what the purpose yeah. is i think i'm gonna wait till uh i get something a little bit a little bit more polished they did a great job on it two six films i will say but i'm, I'm just what not was it called again? uh not qualified for this is what i ended up calling it and that was like 40 minutes one one take wasn't it yeah it was one show um one take one night one opportunity um I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say one 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 take no notes is like this guy is like the West Coast white comedian Jay Z. Yeah, well, that's what people <laughs> <laughs> just grabs the mic in one take. You'd be surprised how often I get compared to Jay Z, dude. It's, <laughs> but yeah. So that like the purpose of it was less to like blast the internet with the special and get like go viral and more to just have something online for people to look at when they hear of me. And then, you know, in a couple more years, like another three, four years, I'll try and get something a little bit more like, like legit. And, uh, then whore myself on social media, uh, whore myself out and try and get as many views as possible. So the Netflix contract is in the next five year time frame well they're like as soon as we can pay Chappelle, you're next on our list okay so <laughs> there, there you go is it true they just ordered four more specials from him? or no he's hosting like a uh set like a um, showcase that's what he's doing 
didn't he do four for them in a couple of years? He had two on the same uh, time, and I think he had two other ones. Yeah, that was yeah, he did four uh, for them. For, in like five years or something crazy. Um, they weren't necessarily the funniest, but they were definitely an hour long. <laughs> he fulfilled his contract. Uh, they tried to I talk uh, for an hour. Uh, God damn it, Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to uh, the workers there tried to get them canceled, and then their one of them got fired. They they did not let him go. Yeah, what was the story? I didn't really follow that very closely. What was what 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 exactly happened? Can you recount? There was for so, us? there was a walkout of the of like twenty employees because they didn't like his views on transgender people so they they said you get the ceo you have to fire him or we're gonna walk out and the ceo thought this guy is generating us millions of dollars and you are all replaced you are all replaceable so yeah. do what you got to do and they actually walk out and a couple of them uh got fired for not doing their jobs well wow, there's a lot of this around like i i feel like I guess that works in a lot of times, but like, it's the same thing with Spotify and Joe Rogan. Like why the, you can't just set the precedent that if a certain group of people doesn't like what you say, they can just make a ton of noise until they get what they want. It's just like this freaking convoy protest. It seems like, like that would set such a weird precedent that, Oh, nowadays, if you just don't like something the government's doing, you just show up in Ottawa and honk your horn for three weeks until you get what you want. It's like, same with the the Netflix walkout. It's like as soon as you start giving into that as like the authority, then that's like what everybody's going to want to do, right? I think the companies will only give in if they feel it's doing them more harm than good because they have responsibility to shareholders and shit, right? Like they yeah. have to be actually worried about that. But when it comes to Chappelle or or Rogan for Spotify, at least now, clearly not enough people are are quitting their subscriptions for them to think they need yeah. to drop them. But if the if data shows users quit, don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So they're not going to, they're not going to drop them uh, uh, over that. Yeah. Well, strange times. Am I right? Strange times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Sam, do we have a, a, a subject you wanted to touch on today? Or are we just, we just talking to Mike? Talking into, into well, Mike. This is like a. This has been a perfect <laughs> talking, talking, talking into the mic. Yeah. Two mics or three mics? Bumping mics? What was that? Dave yeah. Patel? Yeah, bumping mic. Um, well, actually, I think this is like a perfect segue. This Netflix talk about uh, Dave Chappelle and then the Spotify talk uh, regarding Joe Rogan because I think the topic that we had discussed was social justice. I think that was the topic. Jesus, right. it's probably probably got to be one of the most relevant topics for this time. Like cancel culture but also on the other side you know kind of various rights for groups that had felt disenfranchised in various ways and kind of the the clash of those two things is probably got to be one of the bigger the bigger things of our time i mean that and uh and you know just i guess you know having fun doing random shit yeah well yeah uh, um <laughs> so, so yeah i kind of like the point you sort of touched on was there's the the actual important social progress that's coming about these days that's long overdue mm. but it's being coupled by woke insanity <laughs> which is making it not that, as yeah that's, <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's exactly it. i think a a great way to and it kind of ties along with woke insanity but if you looked at remember george floyd when he was killed right yep and there was a pretty big unifying moment talking about making progress where a lot of people that normally wouldn't be on side with uh you know protests for uh black rights like that had a lot of support and everyone actually andrew schultz was talking about this on his uh I just watched this yesterday. Andrew Schultz's uh, special talking about that, that, you know, yeah. everyone was kind of on board for it. Uh, this guy was, you know, killed by a cop and that was very bad. So you kind of see the the progress there that we're making as a society, but then very quickly people start looting shit and destroying buildings and, and, and robbing local businesses. And then you have the far leftists that will come out and defend it and say, well, what do you think they had to do this? They were frustrated and blah, blah, blah. And then you just lose all that middle group of the population that was on board for your cause. 
yeah, I, that that that's happens good, that's all the time. Even uh, even every with, time there's yeah, even kind of with this uh, convoy protest, it's like okay, a lot of these people they just don't like how the government has instated stuff like the vaccine passport and stuff like that. And there's yeah. there's legitimate arguments about like bodily autonomy and should the government be able to, uh, you know, essentially take uh privileges away from people if they refuse to get a, a vaccination or something injected in their body there's real arguments but it gets overshadowed by the loud morons on both sides all the good arguments never make headlines i swear to god no because they're not uh they're not they're um, too boring they're too boring yeah, yeah that's exactly it kind of generate clicks because clicks are what makes money for the ad the uh that's what gets ad revenue is clicks. So it doesn't matter how accurate or sane the article is. They just put whatever is going to get the most clicks and well thought out measured arguments or comments are just, it just doesn't make for good television, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really gotten, you can see uh, having kind of a middle of the road appeal um, you can see it in politics. There used to be people wanted to always run. It was, you know, run in the middle and as get as many people in the middle on board to support you as you can. And now that just doesn't fly. It's all you have to be to one extreme or the other. If you're in the middle, you'll just get washed out as boring. And I find it's like that in news, too. Yeah. Hopefully that people are getting understanding that that's what's happening. But I don't know if a big enough portion of people are really seeing that this is all not going to, it's like, it's never going to end up where we all, it's like the, the right and the left are getting so, so separated from each other that it's getting to this point where it's like, we cannot coexist at all in this country. And that's just, yeah. That's scary. Yeah. I, I don't really know what, what swings it back. Like if you've watched, um, Hey, Sam, I know because I listened to this podcast, you were asked to watch this. Did you watch The Social Dilemma? No, I didn't. But we, we can. Uh, I, I don't need to watch it. I know. I know what it is. I know. I know what it's about. Okay, the, the gist of it: al- algorithms. The algorithms feeding people things that uh, is just more and more extreme because that's what gets. Uh, a visceral emotional reaction from people and keeps them clicking, spending more time looking at that. That is, it, you don't get that type of reaction by by reading something that says, "Well, there's well reasoned arguments on both sides of this." Uh, right? It doesn't get people get people clicking further and and doesn't keep their eyeballs on the screen for longer. So this, with social media driving us to extremes, I I don't know how this gets better. It feels it's just going to keep getting worse. Well, So here's a question. Is this a case where freedom of speech is causing psychological harm to people, which could even become physical harm? Oh, that is a tough, that is a tough question. Right. Because we have all this, uh, right. Like we're talking about the social media, right. It's basically Mm -hmm. like a newspaper, but you know, kind of like on steroids. And Except for it doesn't, it's not like back, it's not well vetted either. It's like they they just it's like a newspaper yeah. that has no responsibility to retract or reprint or even have a fact checker. In most of the times, there's no fact checkers. There's no editors. There's no one who uh, is is cross referencing anything. And the extra layer, of, the extra layer of like what makes it super terrifying is the algorithms are figuring out your psychology. And they'll be. It's very, very good at picking out what things are going to make you mad, and then showing that on your feed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like a, this is a perfect uh, sort of modern example of a very old argument about freedom of speech from a British philosopher named John Stuart Mill, who, who's like a very famous uh, liberal philosopher from back in the day, and he he basically argued that freedom of speech is essential for what he called mental well-being. Like you need freedom of speech if you're going to grow into a fully developed person with like rational views that they've chosen and that they've that they've developed through their own thinking and weighing different arguments. 
But even Mill thought that there are some cases where freedom of speech can be harmful. And his classic example is this idea of a, of a, a corn dealer. So suppose there's someone who sells corn and someone starts passing around a pamphlet or like a placard that says the corn dealer is like hoarding corn to artificially raise the prices and is like going to starve the poor people. And this, this placard, maybe it's true. It might even be true. And this placard gets circulated through a mob outside the corn dealer's house to, to whip the crowd into a frenzy and then they go and burn the house down. John Stuart Mill argued that the authorities should be allowed to prevent the circulation of that placard through the crowd to prevent imminent violence. But he also argued, because this is way back in the day, he argued that the very same information could circulate freely in a newspaper because he thought people who read the newspaper were too educated to get whipped into that kind of frenzy. But he basically thought, like, you can restrict speech if it might cause imminent harm. And that's been true. And that's been, uh, like, that's pretty much the legal test in the United States for, like, what kind of speech can be incitement. Like, for speech to be curtailed, it has to be imminent harm. But I think what the, uh, like, the social dilemma has shown is that this stuff can happen over time. Like these, uh, these algorithms, these algorithms, these Facebook stories, they, they might not cause anyone to do anything today that's bad, but over time it sort of builds and builds and builds into these, into these sort of like violent anarchic outbursts. Like we've seen with, uh, like the convoy protests or maybe even, uh, you know, those riots, um, after George Floyd died. So when yeah. he's talking about that, do, it, do you think he is referring when he's talking about? Because this is a key point that I, a, a lot of people, especially people our age, disagree with me on this point. But I think it's an important one. Is, is what was his name? John Stuart Mill. Yeah, that's right. Is he referencing when he's talking about possibly curtailing free speech? Is he referring to the state? taking those actions or private entities taking those actions or does he differentiate between the two he uh he thinks uh the government the authorities should intervene to prevent speech from inciting imminent violence and right and i guess the united the states is- which is probably the country i think the united states is the country with the best or like the most significant freedom of speech in the world and they basically follow that that dictum that unless there's going to be imminent violence, you have to let it go. Like there's this famous case uh, called the Skokie affair, which was like a, uh, it was basically a neo-Nazi rally in a town called Skokie, Illinois. And the neo-Nazis chose that town because it had a, like a large population of Holocaust survivors. So it was like a deliberately provocative act. Like, like we dare you to ban us and then we'll sue you for violating our, uh, First Amendment rights, and the courts allowed it to happen because there was no there was no incitement to imminent violence. Yeah, if you're, but you also no- can't deny that there, it caused serious psychological harm to all the, you know, the Holocaust survivors who had to sort of relive uh, their their worst nightmare. So you can essentially whip a group of people up into a like a, a a hateful mob, but as long as you don't actually say you should go hurt people, you're fine. You can just talk shit until people get so mad they go out and hurt people anyways. If you don't like, well, okay, I don't know. That's like the course to decide on a case by case basis. But yeah, basically, if, if you aren't if you aren't deemed to have incited violence, then you're 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 okay. I mean, then there's the state, libel and defamation and stuff. But in the states, different. yeah, because they actually have you know the First Amendment for free speech. Canada, we do not have that strong protection. It's uh, it's really. It's, the leader of the truck convoy was in court in Canada uh, being, you know, for, for blocking public infrastructure for three weeks. And she said, well, what about, I thought I could do it because my first amendment, right. It's the first time I've ever seen someone in Canada cite the U S constitution, <laughs> the free speech amendment for them, giving them a right to block public infrastructure in Canada. That's a novel <laughs> argument. <laughs> that is some wild shit that you do not now see. Now they won't even be allowed to emigrate. Damn. <laughs> that is nuts. 
that they, yeah. they brought up the like they th- that to me shows people that are just they're just vomiting out phrases they've heard before, but they have no understanding of what they actually mean. No, they have no they have no idea that the First Amendment is not a thing in the Canadian Constitution. It's just a thing they've seen on TV that the channels they watch or social media and thought, oh yeah, that's that thing that will allow me to shut this city down. It kind of reminds me of there's that gym in, in our city, um, uh, in our valley here that was defying the uh, health orders. And there was a big hubaloo about them uh, not complying. And they were posting a lot on social media. They seemed to get a lot of support on like Facebook. Um, and they were like, it's not, they're kept on quoting the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Anyways, when gyms actually opened up, they're like, okay, you can open gyms, but you have to check vax passes. You have to wear masks. Then this gym went ahead and said, no, we're not doing either of that, any of that either. And they got a huge like online backing from you know Facebook people, which amounts yeah. to nothing in court. But when they went to court, I think they probably got a curb stomping by the judge <laughs> because uh, they all shut up pretty quick. And it's just like, I don't understand where they thought this was going to end up going their way. Like the law is still the law. You can't just outright defy it without a plan legally. Right. Well, you, you missed that clause in our constitution that says, if you get a thousand likes on Facebook, (laughs) that section of the law does not apply to you anymore. (laughs) Wow. I must've been unaware of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big, you get a thousand likes and you're good to go. I mean, I guess, do petitions have any legal weight to them? Not that if I'm you get a bunch of signatures from someone, no. No. Okay. So it's, you can't just change laws. Political you can't change laws in the moment based on how many of your friends think it's stupid. Yeah, no, like if we wanted to go out and kill people yeah. and we had 20 people sign our petition, we no, we, we wouldn't be allowed to do it. How many people would we need to sign it before we could kill people at will with no repercussions? I think in this year, because of inflation, it's like 43 people now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> with a notepad and a gun. Uh, I see the, the big thing with free speech, so that um, that uh, from the philosopher Sam was referencing, that the people that talk about it nowadays – is often on platforms like Facebook, like, oh, they took down my post. This is communism. Where's my right to free speech? But free speech, even in the States, only applies to the government restricting your speech. It's never Mm -hmm. been like, if you take a newspaper from back in the day, does not have to publish what you want them to publish. If you have a, a poem or something and they don't publish your poem, they didn't stifle your free speech. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and in a sense, like this is uh, like the the ability of social media to allow people to broadcast their opinions in a sense is like it's like a really powerful thing because it gives people a lot of agency to, yeah. you know, make their voice heard. But there's this unexpected trade off, which is that um, everybody the gets that get heard the most aren't necessarily, uh, you know, the healthiest for like a, a democratic society. Well, it's because a lot of lot of uh, well thought out ideas are not uh, they don't fit in the hundred and forty character limit of Twitter or like the one minute duration of an Instagram reel, right? Everything has to be so like punchy and and attention grabbing, or else the algorithms won't put it out there. It's like the the rash rationality is not good for for business when it comes to these platforms. That's why the guy in that in the social dilemma, I think it was one of the guys from Twitter or maybe Facebook who designed the uh, the advertising business model, uh, where that's what that's like the whole algorithm is set up to get clicks for advertisers, right? That's the whole point. And then he he essentially said that he's afraid he like created essentially uh, a civil war machine, <laughs> and it's not even like anyone's at the helm of it. And it seems like it's just the worst time for that because there's so many kind of ties into what we're uh, uh, talking about with, you know, kind of various different um, 
you know, improvements of rights for some, but other people don't like it. And some of it goes too far. It's just a lot of very divisive issues right now. And we have these social media just amplifying it even further. Like if we had the social media we have now in a time though, when everyone kind of mostly agreed on the big, big things, it wouldn't be so bad, but we're kind of getting hit with both now. There's so yeah. much disagreement about everything and it's just amplified up to 11 all the time because of social media. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll put this, uh, I'll put this, this quote to you and let me know what you think about this. This is a philosopher named Raphael Cohen Almagar who says, freedom of speech should not contradict fundamental rights of equality of concern and respect, which underlie a free democratic society. Say it one more time, Sam. Freedom of speech should not contradict fundamental rights of equality of concern and respect, which underlie a free democratic society. Damn, how far does, uh, what was the, the, should, should not undermine, what's the middle part of that? Should not contradict fundamental rights of equality of concern and respect. So how far, geez, equality of, and what, what era is this guy from? Like, do you know, a pro, are these guys in the 1800s or? No, this is 1993. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so equality <laughs> of, died I mean, off in like the late 1800s. Yeah. What, what is this guy's from? The, like, this is a guy that had like, like a, a phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a guy who's watching TV at night. I thought all the it, flaws. It was, even, it was okay. Well, John, John Stuart Mill thought that you shouldn't even be allowed to vote if you can't pass like a test of reading, writing and basic arithmetic. I think they did that in the States to prevent black people from voting. Oh really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think well, yeah, yeah like that's that's a problem. That was, that was a problem yeah. with the rule. Is like if you want to improve society through democracy, like improve people through democracy and freedom of speech, then you should probably let everybody vote and mm-hmm. not, you know, exclude the people who need. Yeah, that's the only way they're going to end up getting their education is if they end up if they yeah. can vote themselves towards it. What was his rationale for not letting those people vote? Well, basically, he was so democracy. I think was like relatively new because um, this was in England back in the, I think in the eighteen hundreds, maybe yeah, probably the eighteen hundreds. And there was not universal suffrage at the time, right? Women could not vote; only landowners could vote. And so John Stuart Mill was a radical in that he thought anyone should be allowed to vote if they could demonstrate that they could you know, pass one of these tests, and then they should have be allowed to have a say in the affairs of the nation, and, and you know, and so on. Like um, even women and people who didn't own land. Yeah, he thought anyone anyone should be allowed to vote, but on but there's like this this catch, like you got to pass a test. The problem with that though is like, if the people who can't, if there are certain populations who can't vote, chances are they probably live you know in close proximity to each other, and if they can't vote, politicians have no incentive to uh, you know pass laws and policies to improve their uh, their well being or their their freedoms. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. just going to perpetuate a cycle, right? They never get ahead then, and uh, so then they're just never learning, never voting, and you kind of end exactly. up with a pretty big two-tiered society. Exactly. But if you let everybody vote, then you know, hypothetically, the politicians will have to, you know, they're incentivized to try and you know make everybody want to vote for them by you know give, giving them more freedom, giving them more opportunities, improving their well-being, both that sort of thing. Yeah, that's an, the, the interesting quote you'd read before is that he's basically essentially talking about whether free speech should be able to uh, kind of in, in, infringe on people's equality kind of thing. Yeah, well, like um, basically, I think the idea, the idea behind the quote is that when you think about it, right, there's no, there's no really such thing as like an unrestricted freedom of speech. There's always restrictions. There's libel laws. There's defamation laws. There's you can't incitement yell bomb laws. In, can't yell bomb in an airport. Like, I mean, you can. You just yeah. have horrific repercussions. I, 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 people don't um, understand that you have the right to do, like, especially when it comes to expression and freedom of speech. A lot of, like, this is the whole thing with getting like uh, canceled socially is 
yeah, it might not be lot like rational even or logical, but if you say certain things in a certain way at, in front of a certain group of people, there's they're not just going to let you go because of you're allowed to do it legally, right? There's going to be huge social repercussions from certain people, and you got to take. It's like whenever you do like stand up's a good microcosm of that example, right? It's it, like, is, it is, yeah, it is a good microcosm of it. <laughs> because yes, you, you're for the most part allowed to say whatever you want on stage, and you will feel immediately how the public felt about that idea in a very visceral way. They either hate it, they love it, or they're very mixed about it, or they're completely flabbergasted as to what you even tried. To, to convey there and uh that i like i wouldn't go like if you go into a room full of minorities and talk, start screaming white power like yeah you're allowed to do that and you're not going to go to jail for that but you're probably gonna get the shit kicked out of you someone else might go well, to jail or, you, or uh, you might not get invited back to that venue yeah it's just like i mean in comedy people like to think that that uh you know Com- comedians are the last people that are allowed to say anything they want to say, but like venues have restrictions on what they want said in their rooms. Now, it, it doesn't necessarily make for the most fun comedy when you have a whole. I've done rooms where there's literally a poster full of, with of a huge list of subjects you're not allowed to talk about in their in their venue, and like some people, some of them are so restrictive, like you have to throw out like half your act before you even get on stage. And then there's other places like Dakota's where we do comedy where it it's it's very, very, very rare for someone to get in shit for saying something on stage there. Like it, it's it's very rare. But when it does happen, it generally is met with objection by the comedians. But it is a business at the at the end of the day. And if if uh, if you're up there saying shit that's losing money for the venue, that's not good for the scene or the rest of the comedy, uh, the comedians. So, I mean, there's always like there's always a line, right? But and that idea. is the that kind of just is the world we live in, right? Like the venue has the a right to make money, and I if people complain that they are canceled because the venue doesn't want them there, whether it's a venue or whether it's a, a Netflix or a Facebook, I mean these. People have a right to decide what they want to have there, right? Well, that's the market, right? I mean, it's it's literally like if you own a venue and there's so- a, someone that's performing regular at your venue that is getting people turned off with coming to see these shows, that's a problem for your bank account, right? That's a problem for your, your uh, business. So I, I, it's totally uh, like the thing of free speech is like, people need to remember that there's a difference between your legal right to say something and your, you being sheltered from repercussions of what you say. And that's what again comes back to free speech being the government preventing you from saying something versus, uh, you know, Dakota's preventing you from saying something. Yeah. Uh, two very, yeah, different. very different. Well, the, the quote you had just read Sam from the philosopher from 1993 is talking about the government most likely, right? Um, I can't remember the exact context, but I think yeah, that's probably the implication of it. And like I think another oh, example is bringing it back to one like recent example that's happened is uh, we have our main venue here, which pretty much lets you say anything, and a lot of so. Recently, we did an open mic at a different venue in town, and the comedians did the same material they would do at Dakota's, which gets is met with applause and praise. And that same material was got the whole show canceled. That was supposed to be a weekly show, got canceled immediately because of how offended <laughs> the people that ran that venue were. So it's like the same the jokes were said. In one environment, met with applause, laughter, and praise. In one, in another environment, you're literally we got canceled. So it's like you got to know where you're at, right? Yeah, I think that's where the, uh, the 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 concern and respect thing comes in. You could you could think of like a comedy club as like a microcosm for an entire democracy, and the person on stage is speaking. And one restriction that is pretty much universal, unless there's like specific rules about the room is that the crowd is 
you know, not supposed to heckle them. Right. Yeah. And that's like a very harsh restriction on speech. Like you're not even allowed to talk right now. You have to, you know, listen to the person who's on the stage and listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And often they're either dealt with by, you know, getting thrown in the gulag by the bouncers or, <laughs> or they are met with, uh, a public humiliation if the comedian's skilled enough, but in amateur comedy, a lot of the times they're not. So your last uh, kind of bit of support is to get the audience to tell them to shut up. To like once they feel the whole room turning on them, they'll often shut up. But even then, sometimes they don't. Yeah. So it's like, and I think like like an important thing is maybe like a, another aspect of the quote to consider is that freedom of speech you can't have a democracy without freedom of speech, but you also can't have a democracy with too much freedom of speech. And I think you have to be able to find a balance. And, and that's and it's I getting harder the, and harder to do that. And I think that a lot of people, I think the people thought there was a good balance. Uh, well, again, that's the people probably as that, uh, I mean, kind of, you could break it down to just saying like, straight white men essentially but something like that or the people who always thought the balance was good but now everyone else is kind of pushing for hey you we this is not an okay thing to say or do and it's created a lot of tension right with how fast things have moved in that direction and i think that's uh, that's probably one of the bigger tensions we see nowadays yeah here's another example so, so um there's a famous supreme court judge named I forget if it was Oliver Wendell Holmes or someone else, but it was a famous Supreme Court judge. And they had this famous quote that, uh, you know, it's not up to the government to restrict speech, but speech should be, um, speech should be, you know, there should be a free market of ideas. And within the free market of ideas, the there should be competition between ideas. And through this competition, the truth will inevitably triumph. And I think the uh, sounds like the you know the stuff with the social dilemma and whatnot proves that that is not just, true. It's not true. It's not. It doesn't really work actually. No, no the, it's the not idea true. that makes the most money will will succeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like if you get a bunch of people in a room with opposing views, it's not necessarily going to be the correct people that come out with their heads attached. Still, right. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of cases it's the people that are right that get their heads cut off. Mm -hmm. But it can go way too far in the other direction too. Like it can go. There's a uh, the president of Singapore. Um, what was his name? I got it here. Lee Kuan Yew. He was the former prime minister of Singapore. And so, according to him, um, this is just a quote from something I wrote uh, to toot my own horn, but. According to the elite thesis, civil and political liberties are taken to be detrimental to the economic development of poor countries. Lee points to the economic success of authoritarian East countries like South Korea, which at the time was authoritarian, Singapore and China, and the economic struggles of Asian democracies like India. So before we get into like, now we can get into the facts and, and say that maybe, you know, he's not entirely right about that. Um, Japan is very successful. It's a democracy. Uh, South Korea is more successful now as a democracy than it was. When yeah, it was I was just going to say South Korea is, I guess maybe when he when he said that at the time, South Korea is not a uh, does not fit the bill of what he just described. No, in fact, it's now it's now North Korea is like North Korea yeah. is the authoritarian one, and they're you know not doing very well. South Korea is doing much better. Well, they're doing great. Although man. I think compared to Western countries, <laughs> South Korea. If you listen to their leader, they're, they're doing they're doing great. Oh yeah. <laughs> was, was this from was, was that was that quote from uh, someone's uh, thesis? Was it from a philosopher's thesis? Yeah, it might have been from from my thesis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah, can our listeners right. buy that? Is that for sale? I don't know if I'm allowed to sell it. Actually, I would feel very bad about charging people money for it. Um, I would encourage people to uh, to read that. That was very good. But I would you, encourage you use a lot of like complex like <laughs> language that uh, non philosophers would uh, you know 
I, would I be able to understand it is a short question, uh, a version of that question. Yeah, I think there's some pictures in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, it, it's it's pretty readable. I think. I think it's pretty okay. readable. I do not have a philosophy degree, and I understood it. Although some, I had to reread a couple of things to to figure out what uh, was. I mean, it's philosophy. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a little tricky. You're more you're more well read, especially when it comes to things of certain density than I am. So. I uh, I'll give a crack. I'll give it a fucking crack. Yeah, I'll, take a crack. I'll be, I'll be leading the podcast from then. You're gonna regret. You're gonna regret that. <laughs> so Sam will be replaced. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So well, what we were ta- we were talking about, uh, yeah, freedom freedom of speech and striking that balance. It's very hard to do because if you if you uh, you know, if you make it too restrictive, then there's, you know, this, the dreaded chilling effect where people are afraid to talk and it can, you know, it can, it can make life not very pleasant. People are afraid to say things that they should be allowed to say. So it's a really, really difficult, difficult thing to strike that balance. And now it's, but now it's become even more necessary to think about it because of sort of how rampant the, uh, the incitement of angry mobs is, is becoming. Well- and and the list of what is uh, off off topic to talk about is getting bigger and bigger. Like I think ten years ago, you could have an open discussion about um, tr- transgenderism, right? Like mm-hmm. you could have an open and frank discussion about what uh, you know if if it was uh, an actual kind of a thing that uh, is it kind of not to say it's a mental illness, but is it something detrimental to people or is this just a widely, uh, is this something that should just be widely accepted as we start to understand it more? And now it's kind of to the point when, and I'm, I'm not a fan of this guy, but Ben Shapiro shows up to talk at a college. He's literally shouted off and people scream and cry to the point that he can't go speak there because he has questioned uh, the validity, I guess, of transgenderism. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing that we're at the point that striking that balance of freedom of speech, uh, the the quote we were just talking about, you know, with people's rights. I mean, how how far does that go? Should it be to the point that someone like Ben Shapiro, who he, I mean, he's he's no Alex Jones or some nutty guy, right? Like he's like yeah. Alex Jones is spewing complete bullshit ben shapiro's just saying has a different point of view about a hot button issue should it be to the point he is not allowed on a university campus to give his opinion like I mean, that seems like that's a good point that's a good point i think um i think what, right I, now, what i would say to that okay go ahead jordan sorry all right like for example right now it's my grandparents they don't know anything about joe rogan right they, they don't they don't know who he is but yeah. if they read you know, one thread on Reddit about Joe Rogan, they would imagine in their head a, a, a ranting lunatic racist, right? When that's not yeah. what he is. It's just like the, the rage coming against, you know, people like like uh, Jordan Peterson. You read about, like, online and comments about this guy, you would think he's like a straight-up like Nazi or something, when that's not the case. It's insane how how these people paint people that have just opposing views uh, into actual like devils so quickly. Well, that's a a big one of Rogan's big one is, uh, is at least from what I have read is again, something that used to be okay to have a discussion about again, balancing the freedom of speech versus rights. Like his big thing or a thing Rogan walks about from my understanding is transgender uh forget if it's men or women in, in sports right sports this is big one specifically like, physical like yeah, like like physical sports like like someone who's a biological male but is a transgender woman competing in women's sports and that used to be a thing that i think we could talk about openly and have a difference of opinion on maybe even like 5 years like when we were 20 that was not a thing that if you ha- if you questioned that you would be uh, like be big sh- big shit right. Okay, well let's um let's let's be careful here because 
Joe Rogan is not in trouble because he did podcasts talking about whether or not transgender people could participate in sports. He got in trouble for a pretty bad compilation of him saying the N-word and saying oh, yeah, yeah, those things yeah. about black what, what he really, people got really mad about him for, and then this this uh, this compilation that came out was just like a, a silver bullet to get him finally get canceled. But really, people were very pissed about his take on COVID. A lot of people. Oh, I mean, that's, that's the big thing, yeah. I yeah. think that the whole, the compilation, uh, the N-word compilation was just... Uh, a, a, another tool to get at him for that. I don't think people were that pissed well, off. I don't. I, I think, wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a tool. I think. I think it's legitimately, you know, harmful. Like this. Like the stuff that he said. Like if you actually listen to the things that he said, and you can watch his apology video too. Like he acknowledges how bad it was. So well, I don't. The planet, I don't, I wouldn't the, consider the planet it like of the Apes comment was. was yeah, that's pretty bad. Not I've heard that. But like, I, that I think was, he said a lot of that stuff. There were a lot of the in the compilation. There was a lot of instances shown there that were him saying it in regards to referencing the word itself. And I don't think I don't know how much of those were actually well, okay. That that's not what that's not what people were upset about, or at least that's not what I what I took from it. What I was what was what was what struck me about like the Planet of the Apes thing, and then he very seriously, not at all a joke, had like a biracial guest on. And said that this the guest had the best of both worlds because they had the brain of the white man and the body of the black man. It wasn't a joke at all. Like he just straight up said, it. It was, he's just, it was fact. like I said, he's a dummy. But I just find the timing of this compilation becoming viral very uh, convenient for the people that were really upset about his take on COVID. Not not defending his use of the N word uh, or his take on COVID because I disagree with a bunch, most of what he's uh, perpetuated about COVID and vaccines in, in general. But uh, I just find that the uh, the timing is a little bit uh, eyebrow raising, don't you? Well, I mean, I don't think it would have happened if he hadn't said those things. But anyway, yeah, we, we, I think that's like a whole separate debate. Um, but getting back to like the the Ben Shapiro thing, speaking on a college campus. And, uh, you know, having people shout him down. That's that's also like a very interesting thing. And when you think about it, right, like college campuses, you would think like, oh, this is a place where anyone should be allowed to say whatever they want because this is like a, a place where ideas are spoken. Yeah. But it, it's also the, the case that, you know, people, you know, there are transgender people on campus and they might, uh, they might, they probably don't agree that they have a mental illness. Yeah. And it's probably not very fun to have someone come up to you and tell you that, you know, hey, guess what? You have a mental illness, even though you don't. And that's basically do. what Ben Shapiro's take is, right? It's that exactly. anyone who is transgender has a a mental illness. Exactly. Right? So there's a of... long there's there's a long history of um, college campuses uh, of minority groups being discrim discriminated against on college campuses under the guise of, you know, this is a college campus. I can say whatever I want. And it's true in one sense that like everyone, yes, everyone should be allowed to, you know, express their ideas, but it's also the case that, you know, people shouldn't have to, to suffer from being on campus. Like no, no transgender student on a campus wants to go around the corner and see a big see sign a big that, like, they have, like that's not something that I don't, I don't think anyone should have to endure on a college yeah, campus. That's true, but there's also other things like, like, there has to be a way to discuss these subjects that could potentially hurt the feelings of a group of people in a rational way. Like, it's like having a creationist debate an atheist on stage at a camp. It's like if you're a Christian, you're truly a Christian. That's a very, very important oh. part of what makes up. <laughs> I who went you to are. I went to a debate like that. Yeah. I went to so, a creationism evolution debate at the University of British Columbia, Columbia in Kelowna yeah. campus, hosted by philosophy professor Dan Ryder. I was and at that too. Devolved, I was I was at that chaos. debate too. Yeah, it devolved into chaos. Yeah. Religious Christians in the audience started yeah. screaming, yeah. yelling at him that he was like a liar. And, well, that's uh, what I'm saying is that there's going to be a, a group of like, well, with transgender people, it's different because it's not a choice. But, but people that are, if we're talking purely on 
how many people are going to feel hurt by a discussion having place. That's a good one where it's like people who believe in a young earth, who believe who are Christians or believe in young uh, or in create creationism. That that's a part of their identity that if you ask them is just like a sexual or a gender identity, like it's that important to them. And yet you, you, you wouldn't ever want to ban that debate from happening at a university, not saying that those are equivalents across the board, but no, I'm not. Yeah. Like, the, but the point is that if you do something like this on a campus, you, you have to kind of know that it might go south. And honestly, I think, I don't think Ben Shapiro is, very upset that you know some of his speeches have you know turned into these circuses because yeah it no, kind no, of proves no, that's the point his, that he wants to make which is that yeah you know, liberals are too sensitive yeah <laughs> which true. he probably i mean and but i think that it's uh i mean it's kind of become almost a mockery of talking about people needing a a safe space kind of thing right and i think that's where the line uh the, the question about where does the line get drawn about someone being entitled to have a safe space, but being like overly sensitive about everything. Right. And I find, and that actually comes back to that. The quote, who's the philosopher Sam again, 1993. Raphael Cohen. Yeah. yeah we got to give him a shout out. Cause he, he might even still be him. His kids might be alive listening to this. Right. So this is <laughs> oh, they probably are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that was yeah that that's a really good quote to summarize kind of that, like these ide- these ideas about uh, you know having freedom of speech and freedom to discuss these topics but also not for lack of a better word kind of offending or harming the people that they're being discussed about and where where that line gets drawn and it's uh, I mean we probably won't solve it us three talking about it here but it's uh, it's a very big. Uh, <laughs> <We're almost> there, <laughs> You know, what's always struck me as hilarious is how Ben Shapiro talks when he's with in a room with someone and how he talks when he's just on his YouTube channel, the only one talking. To me, it's very different uh, energy levels and things that he's willing to say. I've seen him have like some very like almost like ranting lunacy on his YouTube channel. But when he's on a podcast, he seems much more reasonable. Not that I'm a yeah. fan of well, there's, guess, there's, like, it, a little, there's like a way to uh, his YouTube channel is for the people who, who really like him. And yeah, then when think, he's on other people's stuff, that's where yeah. he exposes himself to wider audiences. So he tones it down to sort of draw people in a little bit more. And you could get challenged on a another person's that's show, true. right? Like when you're on your own, you can yeah. just go wild and there's no one to, uh, although probably most of the places you'd go are not going to really actually challenge them. But uh, you still, know who doesn't really change who, how they talk when they're on their own show or on another show is Alex Jones. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he does too. He does too. Do you, you think, think he tones it down? Oh, like yeah. when he's on, on Rogan, his, you on think his he's radio, different than on his, on his show. Like when he's on his show, he will like talk to God and like pray and stuff. He doesn't do that when he's on like. I guess I've never seen the full episode of Infowars. I've only ever seen like clips of him on YouTube. But uh, yeah, so hey, that we're over an hour. Do you guys, uh, you guys, say everything you wanted to say on the subject somewhat? Oh man, we only made it to page page thirty one of my thesis. I got another one hundred and ten pages to go here. Well, we can do another podcast uh, next time uh, Legrand is available and continue. I feel like we've we've almost found the answer to this question about where exactly the line should be on on freedom of speech and discussion, but also you know the the rights of the people that would be harmed by that speech and discussion. But we just didn't quite pinpoint it. Yeah, I mean, we we solved this on an earlier episode. I mean. Here's the thing is if this podcast had as wide of an audience as Joe Rogan's podcast, there would be no news cycle because everybody would just be happy and content and (laughs) everybody would be uh, friends again. So I think that's where we're at. Hey, if anyone else wants to chime in, uh, you can cancel us. You can support us. You can uh, uh, um, you can have a convoy over here and uh, tell us to our faces or Write into our email at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com and uh, do it over that way. So uh, anything else to add, you guys, LeGrande? Are you guys still getting – didn't didn't someone sign you up for 
uh, a porn site or something from that email when you first made it? I have no, <laughs> yeah. on that. no comments on that. No, we did get a lot of uh, Russian porn spam for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I remember but that. now it's now it's clean, hey. Eh? Now it's just it's just. Uh, I still you know, get spammed. I, I, I got still, like, I got eh? spammed today that we need to claim our podcast on the wisdom app, and like I I replied like, oh thanks, I'll talk to my partners and get back to you, and they messaged me back. Here's the next step: fill out the form below. Like, See, that's automated, <laughs> right? If you could actually, if you could, like, if someone really wanted you on their platform, they wouldn't just have an automate automated email coming your way. They'd be exactly something personal anyways that's it that's the episode uh thanks again for coming on legrande uh we'll have to have you on again um in the near yeah we got a lot more to talk about yeah Yeah. if we're only at page 30 out of uh you know 100 (laughs) 140 uh, (laughs) little ways to go yeah oh yeah so uh capability theory no don't don't even start um that's it i'm saying i'm signing off this is it Goodbye. All right. Bye. Goodbye.